welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Oh, I love it. I love every time I see that video, I think uh, I want to see the edited out part of what happened to that guy's feet after putting it on the, on the chopping block. And uh, what, a, what a cool uh, just illustration of, of the value of feet and how sometimes you talk about feet and it seems out of place seems out of place. This is week three of our, our summer series, uh, Sandal Summer, and it's been, it's been such a cool journey to, to go through and look at spots in the Bible where Jesus or God has, has referenced feet and their value and their place uh, in his kingdom. And last week, we had a, a terrific message from Pastor Darren about uh, how the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path and how we can trust scripture, and it's a guide for us. Uh, this week, we had to talk about what does it mean to have beautiful feet, and the title of the message today is indeed Beautiful Feet. Um, I know that's a hard one to swallow. You're like, beautiful feet. We're talking about feet today. And when we look at our own feet or think about our feet, they're often anything but beautiful. I know in my experience, my personal experience, my feet are, there's a reason I'm not wearing sandals today. There's a reason I still kept the shoes on, even in a series uh, called Sandal Summer. And I think about, uh, they're not something that's celebrated or seen as the, uh, the center of beauty in our lives, but there is such a cool function that feet serve. And there's, there's some great things that scripture says about them that we're gonna unpack and take a look at today. And uh, we're actually gonna look at Isaiah chapter 52. We'll jump right in. Uh, Isaiah chapter 52, verse seven. It says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. It says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger that brings this good news. And you get a picture of, uh, of anticipation, of waiting, of what, of what message is gonna be brought. And uh, you know, anything could have been chosen here. God could have chosen anything in scripture here. How beautiful are the, uh, the hands? How beautiful are the minds? How beautiful are the hearts, right? But he said, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? And uh, I feel like maybe we could have improved on it. Hearts might have been, or hands could have seemed like it, it worked better, but God knew what he was talking about when he said, how beautiful are the feet. And I get this picture of, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, ultra marathons, but um, uh, not having run one myself, I know, surprising, but, but hearing about ultra marathons, they're, they're these races that are they're longer than a regular marathon. And there's one that's been around since 92 uh, in Colorado called the Hard Rock 100. And it's a hundred mile race through the mountains in Colorado. I think about what possesses you to do that I don't know. I don't know, but I'm sure the feet of these people are not beautiful afterwards, but they're, they're running this 100-mile race. There's 33,000 feet in elevation change during this race. It takes an average of 41 hours to run this race. And I think about what that means and the dedication and the commitment that race has. And uh, it's, I'm reminded of, it kind of clarifies the picture for me of what does that look like for this, this, these beautiful feet to deliver this message, this good news on the mountain. And Israel at this time in Isaiah, when it was written, they were in captivity, right? They were held in captivity. They didn't determine their own destiny, right? They were not in charge of their own, uh, their own affairs. They were in captivity and they were looking out. You can picture them looking out, waiting for the news of something to change. 
waiting for the news of their deliverance, waiting for the news of their, of their destiny being altered. And so they're looking out in that direction. You can picture that. And, and here's this runner. And I picture this ultra marathon runner, somebody that is carrying something, carrying good news. It is carrying a message that is so important. They will run a hundred miles through the mountains to deliver. Now, it may not have been 100 miles in the, in, the, in the mountains, but to get this picture of that anticipation of waiting for something. And the cool thing is just a few verses later, we get such an awesome picture of what they were waiting for, what they were carrying, the messenger was bringing. In Isaiah 53, verses five through six, it reads, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. How great is it that we get to celebrate this on a, on a communion Sunday? He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. What is that message? That message is so clearly Jesus himself. That the message that Isaiah 53 talks about this, this suffering servant passage, is what the messenger was running the mountain to share. Right? The Israelites may not have seen it as that, and it was only later that it was fully realized as that. But in our time, in our day, in this place, we get to recognize the beautiful message that it brought by the feet is the message of the hope in Jesus Christ. That's what we get to celebrate today. And uh, if, if we look at our feet, uh, we can think a lot of things. Everybody look, just look down at your feet real quick. Everybody just kind of glance at them and see your feet are something, you know, they're with you always, but we don't give them a lot of attention, Right? We don't give them a lot of attention. Probably it's because it's not about their look or their, how attractive they are, but feet is about their function. It's about their function. As you look at your feet, you may think, well, some of you, if you just notice your socks aren't matching, you're welcome. I'm glad to be the one to, to help you discover that you know, as, the day is still, as the day is still young. But as we look down at our feet, we see our feet are, it's, kinda, it's the simplest form of transportation. Right? It's such a useful, helpful way of getting around. And we look down at our feet and realize that, that the shoes that we put on, that they, it had to do with what we were planning on doing today and, and realizing here's the big thing, right? And here's, this is just gonna blow your minds, I think. When you look at your feet, you can realize that everywhere your feet go, you go with them. Yes, I know, that's a deep and profound thought today. We're getting real deep today. But anywhere your feet go, you go with them. And so when we talk about why are feet beautiful, why is it that, that a messenger having feet, why do the feet matter? Because we are attached to our feet. The feet are the method to get us there. And then when we're there, we are there. We are there and have to recognize that wherever our feet take us, that's the place that we are in that moment. And we can, we can get so caught up in busyness or in, in where we're heading that we just think about where we're going next, not about where we're standing now. And our feet have brought us to the place that we are. Your feet have brought you to church for a reason this morning, right? Your feet have brought you to the places that you go for a reason and you go along with those feet. Uh, in 1974, there was the, the shoes that were released called the Waffle Trainer, the Waffle Trainer. And uh, they don't sound very special, but there was this guy, a coach uh, out on the West Coast, Bill Bowerman was his name. And he was eating waffles with his wife one morning. And he, he's trying to create, he was trying to create a shoe that would work well on new tracks that were being created. And so he wanted to create this shoe and his wife was, was uh, she was, had a waffle iron. He said, what would happen if I combined my, my idea of a shoe with this waffle iron? And so he made a sole, but using the equipment of a waffle iron and attached it to a shoe and called them waffle trainers. 
right? And this sounds like kind of a crazy idea, and, but his, his goal was, I want to help people be faster. I want their movement to be more effective, right? And this waffle trainer uh, by this coach, Bill Bowerman, ended up being the very first shoes that Nike created. This is the guy who founded Nike, and his first idea was this waffle trainer shoe. And thinking about how big of an industry Nike is, global organization, for the pursuit of helping people be faster, right? Maybe even look better, but be faster was where this, this idea came from and going more places and knowing that we have a message a lot greater than just fitness or how far we can go. We have a message that we carry that's greater than any other message. And it should drive us to innovate, to get there, it should drive us to think outside the box, to be driven to deliver that message of the hope in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ. And uh, this runner in Isaiah, as he ran up the mountain to deliver this message, it kind of makes us ask, and I know it makes me ask, what message is worth climbing a mountain for? What message is it that we can hold that makes it worth climbing a mountain to deliver? In Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17, it kind of takes this concept in Isaiah, takes it a step further, and uh, it reads, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Referring to Jesus, of course. Uh, how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing from the good news about Christ. Right? There's this message that has to be carried. And the message has always been there. The good news has always been there. In fact, that idea that this word for good news is the same word that we get uh, evangelism from. Gospel, it comes from that word. And, and recognizing that it used to just mean the news that you heard that was good, right? Kind of makes sense. But if uh, in that time, I, obviously, as, as communication and transportation worked, right, you would hear the news and it took longer. Maybe this person had a baby or, or this new law was passed. And, and what it came to mean, it came to mean exclusively the good news of Jesus, because there is no better news, there is no better message than the good news of Jesus. And so that good news has always existed since the time of Christ it's existed, but it relies on heralds, on people, on messengers carrying out the message. That's what it relies on. That's the piece that we play. We carry that message, we deliver that message. And the availability of salvation the availability of salvation of people around us, of people far away, it hinges on their opportunity to hear it. It hinges on their opportunity to hear that news, to hear that gospel. And the word where it says, how could they know without being sent? How could they tell them without being sent? That word sent is the same word for apostle. We know that an apostle is someone who is sent, but it's not just saying you have this title of apostle. It's using it in a verb like, like you're being apostolized or you're being sent out. How could they know without someone being sent? And we know that as believers, if nobody has told you yet, it's time to tell you today, you are sent out as a messenger. That's something that God has placed on you. That's, a, that's something that our response to what he has, the gift he's given us, is to carry that message on to others. And sometimes we can get this feeling like, okay, the, the responsibility of their response is so heavy. And God has never placed on us how, the responsibility of how people respond to that message. He's never said, well, you're only succeeding if people respond to, uh, to salvation, to that message, or if people are changed because of the gospel. What he's saying is, you are responsible for the opportunity to share it. 
You're responsible for taking that opportunity and God will work in their hearts as he will. So we don't have to hold up all the responsibility of how they respond, but how, but the fact that we take the opportunity is important and it is our job to play, our role to take. And so uh, just on Wednesday night, there was a youth student I was able to pray with and Pastor Keaton was gone as he shared in China and I was able to, uh, to speak in youth and it was, it was kind of a fun night and, and uh, there was a middle school boy at the end who was looking for prayer afterwards. And this was, this was a cool thing because, you know, you could, you, that could go a lot of different directions, right? What kind of prayer a seventh grade boy is looking for? And, and he said, God is leading me to evangel or to, to share my faith with my friends. He said, God is leading me to build up my evangelism, to share my faith with my friends. And he said, how do I do that better? How do I do that? And I thought, how cool to have a student and such, such hope, I just feel like, and I love what's happening with our youth ministry that Pastor Keaton is leading. And I think about a student that's saying, I want to grow in this. How do I do it? Right? And, and I was able to share with them that, that one thing I think is, is such an important starting place, and it's true for all of us today, is, is not just the words we say, the technique we use. It's about, can we see people the way God sees them? Can we have a heart for people that don't yet know Jesus? Can we have that heart? That's such an important starting place to be able to, to have our eyes widened and to be open to those who need to hear. Because the, the reality is unless our eyes are seeing something, our feet won't be moving, right? Our feet won't walk unless our eyes are open. Because when they're open, it guides our feet forward and we realize that there is a difference that can be made. God is using me to deliver this message. And the message to remind you in, in, in Isaiah 52 is we kind of take it apart to see what's included in that message. The first thing is a message of peace. He says that that messenger will bring the message of peace. And I realized something in preparation for this is that peace isn't a status, peace is a fruit. It's a fruit of the spirit. When we have peace, it's something that, that is placed in our life and something that grows and grows. So we can pursue it. We can pray God for God for more of it, but recognizing that some have no peace. There are so many around us. They don't have peace about where they're at. They don't have peace with work, with their circumstances, with their family. They don't have peace because peace will never be found in the things around them. Peace is only found in the gospel, only found in the good news of Jesus. And so what are we bringing to the crisis? What are we bringing to the hurt around us, to the loss, to the suffering? What are we bringing when you hear about a tragedy like Orlando or what's happening in Bangladesh this week and realizing that there is darkness around us. And so can we be bearers of peace? Can we be peace bearers and bring that message of peace? And we not only bring a message of peace, but a message of salvation. Bring a message of salvation, and which is, is here's the important thing to, to, to gather in this, is that salvation is something for now and for then, right? It's something for both, for now and for then. So salvation is absolutely realized in the future where, uh, where we, if we accept Christ, we believe and have faith in him that we have eternal life, that we go, to, we, have, we go to heaven with God and we spend an eternity with him. That's an amazing thing when we think about it and realize what that means. It's also just as important to recognize that salvation is for our now, right? When God saves us, he gives us, not only is there a peace in our life, but there is such a change and a transformation that can only be attributed to God, only be attributed to God. And so they, by his grace, there is a salvation, there's a change in our life now, and we anticipate a beautiful future where we get to spend eternity with that savior. How amazing is that? And we, we as messengers, right, who carry this gospel, get to share that message that's both for now and it's for later. 
So it's a message of peace. It's a message of salvation and it's a message of righteousness. A message of righteousness and righteousness is, is what does it mean to be right? What does it mean to be made right? Okay, and I've tried to be right in arguments with my wife and uh, my wife is, is pretty much always right in an argument when you try to go, who knows more or who's correct here, right? She's pretty much always has the right information, but this is a different kind of right. Not about information, but about being made right or being made whole. And that's what righteousness is, is God makes us right, which doesn't mean everything we've done in our life turns out it was right. Well, looks like everything I did was correct. No, that's, that's not what it means that we are made in right standing with him. That's a powerful concept. That's a powerful message that we get to bring to others. And it only comes through Jesus. That only happens through Jesus. And so peace and salvation and righteousness, people have to hear that message. That's the message that we carry. That's the message, by the way, that is worth climbing a mountain for. It is worth climbing a mountain for. And it may be the hardest mountain you've ever climbed, but it is worth climbing the mountain for that message because it changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. And so we have a clear picture of the, of the message. We're gonna look at what is our mission? What is our mission? Uh, and there was an archbishop who was installed years ago and, uh, and here's what he said when he was installed. And I thought it was just something timeless even for today. It says, it will be woe to us if we preach religion instead of the gospel. Woe to us if we preach a message that looks only toward inner piety and does not relate our faith to the world around. And woe to us if we fall to hand on to future generations the unsearchable riches of Christ, which are the very heartbeat of the church and its mission. And the mission is one that, that there are unsearchable riches, riches in Christ and that we get to share those with others. And indeed, it's a shared responsibility. In fact, it's, it's, it's a, there's a blessing in it, and it's shared with all of us. It's shared with all of us. Barna just did some research in, uh, just a couple years ago talking about uh, evangelical Christians and, and their practice and sharing their faith and their responsibility for it. And nearly 100% uh, of, of the respondents in this survey that were evangelical Christians said, I know it's my responsibility to share my faith which I thought was pretty cool, just recognizing like it is my responsibility. And then, I, I, and then it, was, uh, it was a little bit affirming here that there were 69%, 69% of those respondents of these evangelical Christians said they'd shared their faith in the last 12 months. That's, a, that's, that's an encouraging stat. And, and when the world to, or, or your, your own insecurity will try to point out to you, well, sharing your faith is kind of just for like the really radical people or just for those who are really out there, but to recognize that, that most believers, most believers are sharing their faith. And the surprising thing was that millennials are the generation most likely to share that faith. Millennials were the generation most likely. And I think it's encouraging to know the generations that are coming up, that there is, there is amazing things God is doing in their lives. And right now they're leading the way. So I should, all of our generations, let's, let's jump on. Let's make sure that we take that responsibility that we know we have that really is a blessing and an awesome honor. And let's make sure that we're able to carry it forward to know that the message is with us. And that's our mission, uh, our mission today. And there's kind of two sides of that mission of how we, how does it work, right? How does it happen? And the first one is that, is that beautiful feet, they go to proclaim the gospel. They go to proclaim the gospel. And, and that's one side of it. And recognizing that, that God didn't give us a rubber band, he gave us shoes, right? He didn't say, hey, here am I in the center 
All right, here's a rubber band. Don't go too far away from me. Don't run too fast. Don't jump too high. He gave us shoes because he said, I go with you. That's what he said, I go with you. He didn't say, hey, make sure to just, make sure to stay where you're at or here's, I'm in the middle and don't leave and recognizing that God goes with us. God goes with us. We're not out on our own when we move forward, when we, when we take new ground, when we share that message. And um, some wonder why we don't do, uh, we don't have a, a bulletin full of, of more events. We don't do more kids musicals and Super Bowl parties and movie nights. And we recognize that we are sent ones. We are sent ones and our calling is to reach the people that we work with, that we live near, that are in our family. Our call is to reach them, to bring them along to what God is doing. And John chapter 20, verse 21 says this, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus recognized that he was sent by the father and he recognized I'm sent, you will be a sent one as well and I'm sending you to go. Just this week, I was able to talk with one of our deacons, Tom Borgating, who uh, he and his wife, uh, they, they're often at the Global Project booth and able to, to just share about what the different global teams that are happening. He went to Global Team Iowa last week and, and it was such a cool uh, story that he was able to share about uh, a few of these students that had some pretty incredible life change. And just to know of where they came from, it's a youth, uh, it's a youth camp for at-risk youth and you get, a, you get to know these kids that, that have such a, a, a challenging and, and just a background so full of heartache and then to see God work in their life is incredible. It's an incredible experience. And, and just to hear that he was able to go and then he was obedient to go. And I, I'm from Iowa, but recognize not the most exciting place to go, right? It's not the place like, man, bucket list, Iowa, number one. But seeing that he, he went, he was obedient. He knew that there is a message to carry. And because he was, he was there recognizing that, that God gave me shoes, not a rubber band, but shoes, and he went and saw that God did incredible things, incredible things. So our beautiful feet are, 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 are called to, to proclaim the gospel. And our beautiful feet are also to help us serve the hurting, right? So it's, it's both the word of the gospel and the deed of serving the hurting. And evangelism is not just something we do. It's something that we are. Evangelism is something that we live because the truth is, we don't just turn on, all right, I'm going to put on my evangelism hat now, and now I'm going to share my faith for 30 minutes, and then I'm going to go barbecue. No, it's, it's something you do while you're doing other things, all right? And, and in the Great Commission, where Jesus talks about go and make disciples of all nations, the real strong thing he's saying here is in the imperative, he says, make disciples, right? But when he says go, he's talking about both go in a sense, like let's go, but also he's saying as you go. As you go, make disciples, realizing that there are a lot of places that we go. Remember, wherever our feet go, we go with them. And we end up in a lot of places and realizing that, that God wants us to carry that message while we're there, to carry that message while we are there. And so that's why beautiful feet, they go to serve the hurting. And there are, there are hurting people all around us. And we don't have to search far. We don't have to look far and wide to know there are hurting people around us. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it reads, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's think of ways to, to motivate one another, to, to spur each other on for acts of, of love and acts of good works. And, and I love this, there's kind of this marriage between word and action, right? And when it comes to sharing our faith, when it comes to carrying this gospel message, there's a marriage between the two that can't be separated between love and action. We can't have all action with no words. We can't have all words with no action. They go together. 
They go together. As we start to close here, as the team comes up, I want to share our last point here today. This is one very spiritual, okay? Very spiritual. How to talk about God without making it weird. All right, that's what we're going to do for just a few minutes. How to talk about God uh, without making it weird. I want to give just a, uh, I want to give some help to put some flesh and some context on this. How does this work, right? We've heard some of the, what's the message we carry? What are the methods? And, and recognizing that uh, we have to be listeners first. We have to be listeners first because when someone invites us into their life, right, to be able to speak truth into their life, it happens through relationship. It comes through relationship. And when I was a youth pastor, I'd always encourage my students, if you want to share your faith, invest and invite. Invest in your friends. Invest in your family members. Pray for them. Uh, Look for where God is moving in their life. Build relationship with them. Be there for them when they need somebody. Invest in them and invite them. Invite them to church, but also invite them, pray with them into salvation. God has equipped you with what you need to do that. But the investment uh, is so often on the front end of that. And so we invest and we invite. We also look for where God is already at work. Look, look for where God is already at work. I promise that God is already working in people around you. And it's amazing when we pray for those around us. When Remember, our, our first call is to have a burden and a vision that's greater for those around us. When we see people the way God does, it's amazing how many opportunities we see. It's amazing the ways we see God already moving in people's hearts. We get to see that because we're open, we're ready, we're looking for it. And when we look where God is already at work, we get to build on it. We get to build on that and life change happens because of that salvation message. Thirdly is that we know, know and understand that our path will be unexpected. Our path will be unexpected. I think of the Israelites who spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. 40 years in the very first verses of the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, it talks about how that journey should have taken 11 days. At least a big part of that journey would be 11 days and they spent 40 years. Because when God guides us, he's not worried about our schedule, he's worried about our growth. He's not worried about our schedule. He's worried about our growth. And when we are following him, when we're using our feet, our beautiful feet to carry his message, he's gonna lead us to places we didn't expect. We didn't expect to go, right? And I think of when Tom and, and his wife, Patty, as I mentioned earlier, they're, they're called to go out on the mission field. I don't think they thought Iowa was, a, a, I don't know if they pictured it was a stop along the way, but God leads you to different places and to allow the unexpected and to know that wherever you go, there you are. I know it sounds simple, but wherever you go, be there, be where you are and recognize that God wants to do incredible things, incredible things through you. And there's some opportunities. Here's how to put some some flesh on it for you. We have a responsibility both near and far. Just because there are believers across the world doesn't mean that we're not responsible for, for sending the message to them. Right? It doesn't mean that we're not responsible. And there are people near us. We have the same responsibility to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our friends. And so recognizing how do we engage our community? How do we engage our world? And how do we engage those around us? Right? And, and a way to engage the community, we're already doing it tomorrow. Join us tomorrow. We're using our feet to walk in the parade. The city has said, will you walk and carry the banner of those who are serving this city? We said, absolutely, we will. Absolutely, we will. We have, a, we have global teams that go out, so many different global teams throughout the year, knowing that we get to support those missionaries that go and go ourselves. We get to live out that message and go far. 
And we also have the same responsibility to those near us, that our neighbors, that our friends, that those we work with, they are hurting and they need to hear the gospel message of Jesus. We get to bring it with them. We get to bring it to them. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads in this place? I want to pray a, a prayer of commissioning and, and recognizing a, our calling and with our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, just to share with you before we pray that in this room, you have beautiful feet. And I don't care if you think of your feet as beautiful. I don't care, in the, even in the physical sense, the spiritual sense, I don't care if you think of your feet as beautiful. God has said, you have beautiful feet because when you carry his message, and by the way, when, when you've invited him into your life, you're carrying that message with you. He says your feet are beautiful. And church, there is a world around us that is hurting, that needs that message, that needs the gospel. We have a chance to bring it to them. We have a chance to bring it to them. Let's make sure to rise to the occasion, to use the opportunity, the blessing of God being with us and to share that with them. And so Jesus, as we pray, Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. God, I thank you that you have called us to go. I thank you that you have given us a beautiful message, Lord, and that you have given us the means to carry it, Lord, the means to deliver it. God, there may be a mountain in front of us. There may be that mountain, but we know that it is worth climbing that mountain to deliver the good news that Jesus is real, that there is a God and he is in this place. He is in our hearts and he goes before us. And I pray that we would have a bigger heart for those around us, that you would increase our vision for those who are lost. And I pray, Jesus, that we would fulfill our responsibility, our great blessing to share that with somebody. And I pray that today, as we worship, Lord, we remember you've called our feet beautiful, but we sit at your feet, Lord, and we worship at your feet knowing it's all worth it because you're here, you're near, and you are with us, Jesus. So I pray you would help us go and be effective for your message to be carried in your mighty name. Amen.